commit yourself into the hand of God and ask that the Lord will help you that no matter the, how thick the darkness that hides his lovely face upon your life and your situation, that you continue to rest upon his unchanging grace. As that the Lord will strengthen your faith and confidence in the Lord, that you will continue to hold upon that promise that he made unto his disciples, and by extension to us today, that he is with us always until the end of the age. Thank God for answering your prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father Lord, we bless your name. Thank you for another opportunity to share your word. Thank you for another opportunity, Lord, to remind us of what you did 2,000 years ago. Thank you, Father Lord, for the grace you will grant unto us, even from today henceforth, to continue to rest on your grace, to continue to put our faith and confidence in you, no matter the things that we see around us. Have your way, Lord, in our lives. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to thank God for another opportunity to stand before us to share his word. We'll be talking this morning on the topic that says divine insurance as you go. Divine insurance as you go. Since this year we have been talking about making disciples of all nations. And that's the command that Jesus gave to his disciples. The command that he has given to us that we should go out and make disciples. And today, he wants to reassure us, even as we draw close to the end of the year, and you know by January we'll have another team, but that doesn't mean that we should stop making disciples. It should be a continuous thing till the end of the age. That was what Jesus said. He said he will continue to be with us so long as we keep making disciples till the end of the age. So he wants to reassure us today of his presence with us and what he's able to do when he's with us. So God has given us assurance of his divine insurance. God has insured you and I who are his children. But let me remind us that the only people he has insured are his children. If you are not a child of God, you cannot enjoy this insurance. Praise the Lord. So the best thing you can do for yourself is to become a child of God so that you can enjoy and be a beneficiary in this divine insurance. What do we mean by divine insurance? But before we go into that, let's look at the words we have in our topic. We have divine, we have insurance. When we say, talk about divine, what do we mean? We mean we are talking about something that is not human. We are talking about what has to do with God. Something that is connected with God. We talk about divine love. The love that God showed us. It's not like human love. We talk about divine will of God. We talk about divine intervention. We talk about divine healing. And in all these things, when we mention divine, or when we attach divine to any of those things, we discover that it's beyond what human beings can do. When doctors are confused and they no longer have solution to our health problem or challenge, God intervenes and he brings healing. And we call it divine healing. What no man can do, that is what God does. So when we mention divine, we are talking about what God does and what human beings cannot do. It is not of human, it is of God. And when we talk about insurance, insurance is talking about financial protection against loss or harm. Financial protection against loss or harm. It's an arrangement by which a company gives customers financial protection 
against loss or harm, such as theft, illness, accident, death, fire, and so on and so forth. But there is a condition attached in return for premium payment. Those of us who are in insurance field, I'm not knowledgeable in that area, but you know that for you to enjoy insurance benefits, you have to pay premium. There is an amount you keep paying every year for you to qualify, even though there are other conditions that apply. Praise the Lord. And what do we mean by premium? We have said that premium is the cost of insurance, the amount you have to pay on annual basis in order to qualify to enjoy the insurance you are talking about. And in the passage we are to consider this morning, Jesus came to his disciples and he said, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, verse 18 of Matthew chapter 28. He says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. And if I read from New King James Version, he says, and Jesus came, that's verse 18, and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Verse 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them and teach them to observe all my commands. So that was the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples. And today, he has given to us. But before we go into discussion, I want us to look at verse 17 of that same passage. He said that when Jesus, when they saw Jesus, he said that some of them worshipped him, while some others did what? Doubted. Praise the Lord. Some worshipped him, while some doubted. You may ask, why we are there in doubt? What we are there doubting? You remember that Jesus walked with them for more than three years. And many of them left their trade. Matthew was a tax collector. He left his tax collecting business. Peter and Andrew were fishermen. John and his brother James were fishermen. And many other of his disciples were involved in other business. And they all abandoned their business and they closed shop and they followed Jesus because he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one who was to come and he was the one who would take them to the, to the promised land. But when things began to happen, they didn't understand again. When Jesus started talking about his death, that he would be handed over to the authorities, he would be killed, and so on and so forth. They didn't understand. To the extent that Peter even took him aside and started rebuking him. Because they thought he has arrived. And all the efforts by the Jewish leaders, by the Pharisees to arrest him and to do anything to him, all of them failed. And they were rejoicing. See, we belong to this man, and we don't have any problem again. To the extent that even two of his disciples came and started requesting for position they were occupying in his kingdom. For one to sit by the right, and the other one to sit by the left. So when this event started happening, and Jesus ended up dying, it was a surprise to them. And they were confused. And at a time, they started hearing that he rose from the dead and he was appearing and disappearing. And they started considering, what do we do? What about, what, what, what about our future? Where do we go from here? Do we go back to our business? And then, you know, a lot of confusion was going on in their head. 
And uh, it was in the midst of all this that Jesus appeared. And the Bible recorded that some of them doubted. And uh, if you go to John chapter 21, you discover what happened. That as they were staying together, when Peter said, I go out fishing, immediately without even urging or trying to convince any one of them, six of them immediately volunteered to go with him. And they went. It was... He showed you what was going on in their minds. It was like, let's find a new trade. Let's start afresh. This era has come to an end. Let's begin a new phase. This one has failed. We have made a terrible mistake. Let's begin a new life. So it was in the midst of all this confusion that Jesus came in. And some of them doubted. And because Jesus was divine... Jesus knew what was going on in their heart. Jesus knew the troubles and confusion they were passing through. And Jesus made a statement. He made in verse 18. He said, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. It was a word of reassurance. I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. That's the New Living Translation. If you go to New King James Version, it says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And if you look at these two words, complete, when we say complete, we mean when you are emphasizing something to mean to the greatest degree possible. Total. Complete. No exception. Everything. And when you talk about all, we are talking about the whole amount of, without removing anything, with no exception. So Jesus stood before them and told them that all authorities, without exception, all powers in heaven and on earth, has been given to him. And with this, he now commissioned them and said, go and make disciples of all nations. And in verse 20, he now said, And be sure of this. He said, Be sure of this. I am with you always till the end of the age. If Jesus had come and said, Be sure of this. I am with you always till the end of the age. Somebody can be with you. When our reverend was praying, he said that some people called him this morning. And somebody was very sick and they were looking for hospital. Does it mean that that sick person didn't have some people with him or her? They have people with them, is it not? Could those people offer them any help? They couldn't because they didn't have the power. They didn't have the capability to offer them any help. So if Jesus had said, I am with you always to the end of the age, it might not have helped. But before he said that, he first of all told them that he has complete authority and power. So when his presence is there, you can be sure that he has the capacity to intervene in any situation, to do anything, no matter how difficult, no matter how impossible, no matter how hopeless, no matter how long it has lingered. Jesus was reassuring his disciples, you people have not made any mistake. You people have not taken the wrong decision. People have not followed the wrong person. You have not done the wrong thing. What you have done is right. And this is what I have been telling you. Now, you will continue this work that we started together. And be sure of this. I am with you always. To the end of the age. Praise the Lord. Most times, situations make us doubt God. Situations we find ourselves in. They make us doubt God's ability. If we go uh, making disciples, if we go living for God, because for you to make disciples, you must first of all give your life to Jesus. You must first of all live for Him. You must first of all be a disciple in order for you to qualify to start making disciples. And for you to do that, you have to make sacrifice. You have to give up a lot of things. You have to separate yourself from the world. You have to commit yourself to the Lord completely. And it comes at a great cost. There are things other people are doing that you will not do. There are things other people are getting involved in that you will not get involved. 
in. And this brings fear to our heart. This makes us to fear. If I do all these things, if I make all this sacrifice, if I make all these commitments, how am I going to succeed? How am I going to make it in life? What will be my condition? Will I get married when my mess are getting married? Will I build house when my mess are building house? Will I buy car when my mess are buying car? Will I do what other people are doing? What will be my fate in this life? And the devil used these kind of questions to bring fear to our hearts. And we become afraid. And when we become afraid, the devil causes us not to continue in the work that God has committed into our hands. Remember the work. Go and make disciples of all nations. Let me say something that the devil uses as a weapon to trap us and to make us not obey God. And this costs us off from this insurance, divine insurance that God has assured us of. Devil makes us to listen to his CV. He, he, he reads his CV to us. And we do what? And we listen. He starts reading. I have done this. I caused the other problem. I caused the other atrocity. I useless the other person's life. I caused the other person to die in an accident. I made this person not to have children. And we do what? We listen. By the time we finish listening, what happens? Fear seizes our heart. And by the time fear seizes our heart, we are no longer able to remember the promise that God has made to us. That, number one, he has complete authority in heaven and on earth. And his presence is with us to the end of the age. So we need to reassure ourselves at every point in time that God has all the authority. And so long as we are obeying him, so long as we are walking according to his will, so long as we are paying our premium, because there is a premium for us to pay. You know, when I, I was talking about insurance, I said that for you to enjoy the dividend of insurance, you have to pay the premium. Praise the Lord. So there is a premium for us to pay as children of God. And what is that premium? The premium is as we go making disciples. Remember that statement in, in chapter 20. He said, and be sure of this, I am with you always till the end of the age. As you go doing what? Teaching these disciples to obey all the commandments. As you go doing what? Making disciples and teaching them. So long as that is what you are doing, so long as that is your primary assignment, so long as that is what is occupying you, he says he will be with you. But as soon as you stop, because out of fear, as soon as you compromise, as soon as you go out of faith, out of fear, what happens? You are no longer paying your premium. And if you are not paying your premium, and anything happens to you, with the insurance company will pay you, will you enjoy any dividend? They will tell you no. They won't pay you. So there is a premium that we have to pay. And that is to go doing the work of the master. So God has commissioned us and he expects us to obey him. And that's the only thing that will qualify us to enjoy divine insurance. We are looking for divine protection. We are looking for all manner of things. People are running around seeking for protection. People are afraid of different things. This is December. If you ask some people now, are you going to the village? You will say no. The person is not going to the village, not because there is no money, but because there is an uncle in the village that he's afraid of. There is a cousin. There is an auntie. They have done something in their compound. And because of that, they don't go to the village again. You have allowed the devil to seize you. So that uncle, that auntie, that thing they have said or they have done. Or that person who have threatened and said, you must die this year. Does it mean that the person has more authority or more power than God? 
Does it mean that you have exalted the person's power over the power and authority of God? Is that what you are, make, you are saying? Have you dethroned God and brought him so low in your life that you cannot trust him again to protect you? If we say, let's go for evangelism, let's go for outreach, some of us are afraid. If we go to the village, that village, I heard that they do so much automobile that they can do anything, that they can confuse somebody, that they can make somebody to go mad. And you are afraid, and you disobey God, and you are not paying your premium, and you are expecting God to do what? To protect you. There is no way God can protect you. Let's go to the Bible. In Acts of Apostles chapter 18, Acts of Apostles chapter 18, we see the example of Paul. Paul was a man who went about preaching the gospel, paying his premium. Even though he was challenged by a lot of things, if we look at from chapter 17 of Acts of Apostles, we discover that Paul went to Thessalonica, he faced opposition, and he was smuggled in the night out of Thessalonica, and he went to Berea, and there, even as he was preaching and teaching the word of God. Those people who chased him out of Thessalonica, equally came there. And they caused another trouble. And he had to leave. And he went to Athens. And even there, he was challenged. He was rejected. And he went to Corinth. And he was going from place to place. And he was obeying the work, the, the command of the master. But it looked as if this man was wasting his time and God was not able to protect him because wherever he went to, there was threat to his life. But it didn't make him to stop. But if you look at chapter 18 verse 9, he says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you. No one will harm you because many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. Praise the Lord. Where Paul was threatened, where there, there was a lot of opposition, where it looked as if he couldn't continue for the next one week, God came and did what? Reassured him. Just like Jesus assured us in the verse 20 of Matthew chapter 28. Say, I am with you always. God came and said, Paul, I am with you. Continue to do what? To speak. I have people in this town. But in the physical, did it look like God had people in that town? Did it look like God had people? It didn't look like that. It looked hopeless. It looked like everybody in that town was in opposition. And that the next thing that will happen to Paul is that he is going to be killed or jailed or that he, he will be uh, run out of the town. But Paul stayed there for one year and six months preaching the word of God. So that is divine insurance. God has insured our lives. But that comes as we keep obeying him. And there is no other obedience we can give to him than to go out preaching the gospel. No matter where we find ourselves, whether we are in our home, in our compound, in our, um, in our village, in our office, in our marketplace, in our school, in our hostels, wherever we are found, what God expects us to do is to do what? To keep preaching the gospel, to stand by the truth, to declare the righteousness and faithfulness of the Lord, no matter who is opposing us and no matter who is threatening our life. That is the promise of God. When we are doing that, he has assured us of his protection. And we have seen here that he protected Paul and he didn't allow any harm to come to him. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8, if we read from verse 11. Isaiah chapter 8, if we read from verse 11, I'm reading from New Living Translation. The Lord said to me, in the strongest terms, do not think like everyone else does. 
do not be afraid that some plan conceived behind closed doors will be the end of you. Do not fear anything except the Lord Almighty. He alone is the Holy One. If you fear Him, you need fear nothing else. He will keep you safe. Praise the Lord. The Lord was talking to Isaiah. The people of Israel were in opposition. They didn't want to hear what he was telling them. And what was he telling them? Repent from your sins. Turn away from the worship of idols. And turn to the Lord. And they, they were opposing him. And they were talking against him. And they were plotting evil against him. And the Lord did what? Reassured him. And God said, Do not think like they did. And do not be afraid that some plan conceived in the secret place or behind closed doors. That is our problem. We think that when that juju man, when that juju woman, when that person who has threatened me, that the evil the person is planning, that it will harm me. God says, so long as he's with you, that no such plan will do what will harm you. Praise the Lord. But do we believe it? The truth is that we don't believe it. The truth is that we are ascribing more power to the devil than he has. We are making the devil look so big, bigger than his size. I don't know his size. But the truth is that we are making him look bigger than his uh, size. And that is why most of us, when we pray, 90% of our prayer time is to cast out, cast out devil. Is to bind him. Is to pull him down. Is to push him down. Is to send him out. Is to make him to die. And tomorrow, you start the same thing again. Some of us don't sleep in the night. Because they have told you that every midnight, once it's 12, all the demons will come out. So you wake up equally. And you start fighting them. And you start casting them out. And you will not sleep. You deny yourself of the precious sleep that God has given to you. And at the end of the day, tomorrow, they will stay calm. And you keep suffering yourself. Meanwhile, God has given you assurance. Just serve me. Just obey me. Just do what I ask you to do. And I am with you always. Not with an empty hand. But with all the powers. All the authority. In heaven and on earth. Praise the Lord. My prayer is that God will give us understanding. And that God will free us. From the spirit of fear. So that we will be free to serve him. And to obey him. And to do what he asks us to do. Last year we went to Zambo on outreach. And before we went for that outreach. One of the demands. The village people. At least a brother that we know there. Was making on us. Is that we should bring 20,000 naira for security. And uh, we said. Ah, which one is security again? 20,000 naira. We paid for the hirings, the chairs and the other things that we asked them to hire, the canopies and the rest of them. And they keep mentioning security. We say, okay, no problem. By the time we come there, we now sort out the issue of uh, security. And when we went there that night, that Friday night, the brother was still insisting that we need to bring 20,000 naira so that they will provide security for us. And I asked him a question. I said, is there anything that happens here? Why the security? He told me that they are the people who live here. And that they know what is happening. And that that's, they want our safety, that they don't want any harm to come to us. I said, but may I want you to mention the particular event or whatever. He said, that, it's, but that they, I, we need security. We said, okay, we don't need security. That God is our security. That we are not going to give you one naira. And we stayed there throughout. And we came back. And nothing happened to us. So, you know, the devil brings fear. The devil makes you feel he has power. The devil makes you feel God cannot protect you. And out of fear, you will go obeying the devil. And that makes God not to be happy. So we need to develop absolute confidence in the assurance that God has given to us. We need to build our faith up in the Lord. So that we will prove the power of God 
and God's ability to, to save us. Let us equally look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 11. Jeremiah chapter 11 from verse 18. Jeremiah, just like Isaiah was preaching, he was teaching the people to come out from wickedness, to turn to the Lord, and to live according to the will of God. But his own people, the people of Anathoth, started plotting how to kill him. They said, let us kill this man. He has been disturbing us. Let us kill him. When we kill him now, there will be no disturbance again. So, the solution to what he was doing and the word of God he was preaching, how to stop him and how to solve the problem. Because Jeremiah refused to keep quiet. They threatened him, he refused to keep quiet. And they now decided to kill him. And what happened? The Lord revealed their plans to him. Praise the Lord. When we trust God, even when the enemy is plotting any evil against us, what will happen? The Lord will reveal it. The Lord will make us to know. Or the Lord will go and fight for us and on our behalf. So that, that is what God has done for us. And I don't see any reason why we should doubt God's capability or his ability to protect us. So if God has protected all these people, we don't have time to start going through the Bible. And we'll see many examples of the prophets, of the servants of God that God promised to protect. And he protected them. He didn't allow any harm to come to them. But that doesn't mean that harm cannot come to the child of God. Because if we equally go through the Bible, we will see that the servants of the Lord, that they passed through many trials and temptation. But like Paul said in Timothy, he said that the Lord delivered him from them all because the Lord was present. But does it now mean that if a child of God loses his life in the course of serving God, does it now mean that God has lost his power or that the devil has defeated him? The truth is that God has a perfect plan. God has a perfect plan. Just like in the case of John the Baptist, does it mean that Herod was able to kill John because God suddenly lost his power. No. It was according to the will of God. So sometimes negative things can happen but that doesn't affect the power of God. That doesn't affect God's ability to keep us and to protect us. So all we need to do is to abandon ourselves to God. To commit our lives into his hands. And whatever he wants to do with us let him do with us, according to his will. If it's medicine, she said, let it be to me according to your word. So what we need to do is to commit ourselves into the hand of God and believe that the Satan cannot harm us. As I'm standing here, Satan cannot harm me. I'm using mic to say it. Maybe if I didn't use mic, Satan, maybe you said Satan didn't hear it. Satan cannot harm me. He has no power over my life. He cannot determine what happens to me. And that is the promise of God. And it has been working. So I don't know why you should be afraid of Satan. Satan is a defeated foe. God defeated him. And he has given us victory over him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. Bible said there that we are complete in our union with Christ. That we are complete in our union with Christ. When anybody becomes a child of God. Bible says that the person is complete. We are lacking nothing. All the powers and attributes of God, He has made available to us. And the second part of that passage says, He is the Lord over every ruler and authority in the universe. Praise the Lord. Christ is the Lord, Lord, over every ruler and authority in the universe. That's the person we have as our father. That's the person who is occupying the center of my life. So why should I be afraid of what the Satan is saying? And in verse 15 of that same passage, he says, In this way, God disarmed the evil rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross of Christ. Praise the Lord. So Jesus has conquered the Satan. So Satan should not threaten you. Powers of darkness, demons, they should not threaten you. Last August, we organized youth camp in Scripture Union. And one of the young girls 
I asked to come. Uh, she said she would tell her mother. The next time I saw her, I asked her, have you told your mother? Are you coming? She said, no, that she's not coming. That her mother refused. I said, what happened? She said that her senior sister went and told her mother that if she goes there, that they, if, if they are casting out demons, that demons can leave somebody and enter into her. Therefore, she should not go. <laughs> so can you see how people have, have come so low that they denied the girl of coming for camp meeting because they were afraid that demon will enter into her. If Christ is at the center of your life, demon has no, no place in you. In fact, demon, once demon looks into your life and sees Christ, he does what? He runs away. Praise the Lord. Except if you are the one who opened the door for him. Because sometimes we are the ones who open the door for the devil to come in. And we start giving him power. And we start saying he has power. He can do this. He can do that. No. If we shut our door, the door of our life, and we give him no room. Bible says that if you break the hedge, Satan will do what? Serpent will do what? We buy. So we break the hedge. And Satan takes advantage of that and harms us. And we say, hey! So, when we close up our lives, and our life is completely in the hand of God, Satan has no power over us. If we go to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, when Elisha was surrounded by the army of the Arameans, and he saw military men, horses, surrounding the mountain, and his servant was afraid, and said, Master, look at the trouble, look at all these people. And Elisha prayed and said, God, open the eyes of this young man. And when his eyes was opened, what did he see? He saw chariots of fire surrounding the army of Arameans. They were surrounding Elisha. They didn't know that a bigger army was surrounding them. So that is what God is doing for us every day. When we are living according to his will, God surrounds us with chariots of fire. And as we are going, demons are falling. Demons are running away. I want you to know that so long as you are doing and living according to the word of God, as you are going, what is happening? Demons are avoiding you. Eh? Demons should be the ones avoiding you, not you avoiding demons. So I, I don't know how the devil has deceived us so much that instead of him avoiding us, we are the ones avoiding him. And if you go to First John chapter 4 verse 4, he says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I think that one, one basic problem we have is that we don't know the word of God. Because if we know the word of God and we know who we are, if we know what God has made us, the position, he said that we are seated in the heavenly places above all principalities and powers. So where will the devil harm you? He said that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. So what business do you have with the devil? You don't have any business with him. It's the devil that makes noise. The Bible said he, he, he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking for whom he may devour. And as he makes a lot of noise, if he allows the fear of his noise to catch you, then you will not be the one who will open the door for him to harm you. But he doesn't have power. The only thing he does is that he makes a lot of uh, noise. And in Colossians chapter 3 verse 3, he said that our life is hidden with Christ in God. Praise the Lord. My life is hidden with Christ in God. My life is inside Christ. And Christ is inside God. And I'm afraid of the devil. Is, is, is something not wrong with me? Something is wrong with me. And I pray that God who will take away that thing that is wrong with me, and that is fear. May God cast out fear from our lives in Jesus' name. In Isaiah 41 verse 10, the Lord reassured Isaiah and said, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is the promise of God. So my brothers and sisters, as we conclude, the Lord will continue to protect you. The Lord will continue to shield you. The Lord will continue to lift his banner over your life. 
the Lord will always lift up a standard against the powers of darkness. But the condition is as you are paying your premium. Going out, making disciples, living according to the word of God, and causing souls to be brought into the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 31. We'll conclude with that. Romans chapter 8 verse 31. Romans 8.31 What can we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? What can we say about such wonderful promises that God has made? What should be our reaction? God has made wonderful promises to us. What is our reaction? God is for us. Nobody can be against us. Let us pray. I don't know if you are seated here and you are not even a child of God. Then, you are not part of what we are talking about. But God wants to give you an opportunity for you to come back to Him. For you to come under His divine insurance. We have taken all manner of insurance policies, life insurance, accident insurance, school insurance, even retirement benefit insurance, all manner of them. And sometimes they fail. And these insurance policies, the only thing they can do is that they give us financial assistance when there is an event. But God has given us divine insurance that can protect us and stop any of such events, any of such misfortunes from coming to us. That's the privilege we have, that God can protect us, that God can keep harm from coming, that when the enemy wants to snatch our life through accident, it's not for the accident to happen and the insurance company will pay, it's that the Lord will keep, him from, will keep it from happening. When the devil plans harm to us, it's not that it will happen and they will pay dividend. Is that the Lord will keep it from happening. That's the privilege we have. And you are not enjoying that privilege. And you are not even qualified. And you have not come into it. Why don't you surrender your life to Jesus? If you are seated here, you have not given your life to Jesus. You have not said, Jesus, come into my life. There is no day you have consciously said, I'm a sinner. I cannot help myself. If I die now, I will go to hell. Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. Is that your prayer? Is that your cry? If that is your prayer, I want you to raise your hand so that we pray together. I want to give my life to Jesus. There is no need for you to be ashamed. If you are ashamed of Jesus now, on the last day he will be ashamed of you. He was not ashamed to die for you on the cross of Calvary. So why should you be ashamed to identify with him? Is there anybody here who wants to give his or her life to Jesus? I want to surrender all to him. I am tired of living in sin. I cannot help myself. If that is your prayer, can you raise your hand? Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Can you raise your hand? If you are surrendering your life to Jesus, he says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If you come in, if you open, I will come in. Jesus wants to come into your life. Jesus wants to come into your life. Seek him first. No matter all the other things you want to get in this life, get Jesus first. And many other things will follow. If you are raising your hand, can you be on your feet? If you are raising your hand, can you be on your feet? That's the best decision you can take in your life. That's the best miracle, the highest miracle. People come out and testify, I bought a car, I built a house, I got employment, I passed the exam. Those things are good. But the heavens just acknowledge them. The only thing that brings rejoicing in heaven it's when a man, a woman, a boy, a girl surrenders to Jesus. There is rejoicing in heaven. If you are standing, can you come out? Let's pray together. Shame the devil and your life will not remain the same again. Jesus is calling you. If you still want to join them, God is giving you opportunity. Lord Jesus is rejoicing. The heaven just are rejoicing. They are welcoming you into the kingdom of God. And that's the privilege. That's the greatest Christmas anybody can think about. Can you ask God to forgive you your sins? He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that he died for you, 
say you shall be saved. Confess your shortcomings. Confess your weaknesses, your inadequacies, and surrender to Him. Ask Him to come into your life, to come and be your Lord and personal Savior, to come and give you the grace to live for Him. That is what He has promised. And once you ask, He gives to you. I want you to repeat after me. My Lord and my Savior, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be called your child. I have sinned against you. But Lord, because you love me, you sent your son Jesus Christ, and he came and died for me, and paid the price of my sin. Lord, have mercy upon me. Forgive me my sins. Cleanse me from every unrighteousness. Cancel my name from the book of death. Write my name in the book of life. Give me power to be your child. Power to live a holy life. Power to say no to sin. And cut off every relationship I have with the powers of darkness. Grant me the grace to live for you every day. In Jesus' name. Our Lord and personal Savior will give you praise. Thank you for these, your children. Thank you, Father Lord, because it pleased you to bring them into your kingdom today. Lord, we return our praise and worship unto your holy name. Even as they have confessed with their mouth and they believed in their heart and they have come out boldly to acknowledge you. Father Lord, forgive their sins. Cleanse them from every unrighteousness. Cancel their names from the book of death. Write their names in the book of life. Lord, every relationship they have with the past of darkness, all the things they have done in the past, that have put them under the bondage of the enemy, Lord, we stand upon your word and we declare them null and void in Jesus' name. We establish your counsel over their lives. And God, we declare that from today henceforth, they will live for you. They will honor your name. God, they will glorify you. And Lord, you shall build them up as instruments of righteousness to the glory and honor of your name. Thank you, Lord, as you have served them into your kingdom and as you glorify your name. Be thou exalted, O Lord, over these lives. In Jesus' name we have prayed. I don't know what the enemy has done in your life. I don't know the damage he has caused in your life because he had, you have allowed fear to seize you and you are fearing everything. You instead of fearing God, God told Isaiah, I said, if you fear God, you don't need to fear any other thing. We don't fear God, and because of that, we are fearing every other thing. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, it said, we should not fear them who are able to destroy only our flesh. We should rather fear God who is able to destroy our flesh and cast our soul into hell. Are you here? And you are seized with fear. Are you here? And the enemy has made it impossible for you to obey the master. Are you here? And the enemy has kept you from doing things that you are supposed to do. When you are supposed to travel, you don't travel because you are afraid of accidents. When you should go to the village, you don't go. You don't associate with your people. You have become an outcast because you are afraid they will kill you. The Lord wants to restore you. The Lord wants to cast out that fear. If you are such a person, can you be on your feet? The enemy have used fear to seize your heart. The Lord wants to deliver you. The Lord wants to give you a new beginning. The Lord wants to restore you. The Lord wants you to stop paying your premium so that the divine insurance that he has given to us will be effective upon your life. Can you be on your feet? Let's pray together. And it will come to nothing. And you will go out obeying the Lord. And his counsel will be established upon your life. Is there anybody? The enemy has told you lies. And you have believed his lies. And you cannot obey the Lord. You cannot live with boldness. Fear is everywhere around your life. Is there any such person? So that we pray together. And the Lord will restore you. This time begin to talk to God. Ask God to give you courage to walk through life, to overcome the enemy, and to triumph over him. Ask the Lord to strengthen you with strength in the inner man. Ask the Lord to be your anchor when the storms of life begin to blow.
Ask the Lord to root out fear from your hearts and replace it with the confidence and knowledge of His presence. Commit the remaining part of this year into the hands of the Lord. Pray that the Lord will be a wall of protection around you. Commit your life into His hands. Promise Him that you will dwell under the shadows of His wings. You will not be seduced by Satan to pursue the things of this earth at the detriment of your soul. Ask the Lord to help you to be fruitful in sharing the word of God. To be instant in season and out of season. Especially in the opportunities that the Lord will give you in this December period. As he brings people to you, ask him to help you to say the right words. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray. Father, without you we can do nothing. You are the true vine and we are your branches. Help us to abide continually so that Lord we shall be fruitful. And help the fruits that you give to us to abide. So that in the last day, O Lord, we shall not meet you empty-handed. Keep us where your mercies will continually reach us. Particularly as we end the year. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray.